Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Revolution Church. My name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is... Grow people. Yes, that is exactly right. Did you say that in your cars? You should have. Yeah. yeah you have to yell that out. You said that last time. I did. Yeah. I did. So I we, thought you were going to set them up for that. I didn't. Okay. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. That's was, all right. I'm here I, to remind you. I was so excited to thank everybody for listening. Uh, mm. it, it's, a, it's a big deal that you are listening. And this is episode 14. When episode 13 dropped two Wednesdays ago, because it dro- drops on a Wednesday, uh, there were 143% more people listening on the first day of it dropping than the previous podcast. So so we more than doubled uh, the audience. From episode 12 to 13? From episode 12 to 13. Not from 13 to 1. No. Not from episode 1. No. Um, so in two we, weeks' time. Two weeks' time. Uh, we've had uh, well over 3,500 plays. Uh, I'm, I'm of, German. I'm really into numerology. <laughs> <laughs> that's a callback to a previous conversation. Yeah. Uh, but not, that was not on the podcast. But maybe on the podcast next time. Um, well over 3,500 plays. 83% of you last time, episode 13, listened to the whole thing. Wow. That's crazy, um, which is uh, pretty awesome. 15% of you, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, more people listening to this podcast than actually watching the Olympics. So, hey, see what <laughs> that, I did there? That is true. Hey, this, this is better content, too, let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah. There, there, will, there will be no Olympics. Watch. I mean, unless, like, you know, Team USA is in the gold medal round of, of hockey or something. I might turn that on, but I haven't watched anything. I just wanted to let an awkward silence stay there for a minute. <laughs> that, was, that was very awkward. We don't even have to talk uh, about the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, we were. Did it start while we were fasting from media? I, I think. I don't know. Um, See, that's, that's, part probably of the, why. that's probably why. That's probably why. It's why Facebook dropped 25%. Yeah, that uh, Brian, uh, <clears throat> who's on our team, Demro, sent the. You were on that text thread, yeah. weren't you? Mm-hmm. Where he sent that, like they lost twenty five percent. They lost like eight billion dollars in value, mm-hmm. and right when we kicked off our fast or something, and he sent that around to a lot of people, and they were like, "Wow, I didn't know we had that much power." Or you know, we told everybody to get off social mm-hmm. media, and Facebook drops twenty five percent. But you, like, you, don't mess with the Lord. You, you know what is amazing though. I've talked to so many people who have not gone back to social media. I haven't gone back. Yeah. Um, it's not on my phone. Um, it, it's on my laptop just in case I have to look something up. Yeah. But uh, I, I can't believe the freedom that I still have to continue in that groove. Um, so many people uh, have told me that they haven't gone back to the ways they've eaten before. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, I didn't go back to coffee. Uh, this is day. I don't know what day, but that's not coffee. No, this is this is water. No, yeah. ca- no caffeine at all. And I can't believe the difference uh, in the way I feel. But also, in it allows me more focus time. It yeah. Al- yeah. Whether you're off social media or you're not eating the way you used to eat because it made you feel like garbage, um, it does give you more focus to rifle in on. On what we were trying to do, rifling on Jesus. Absolutely, yeah, and and that is that. You're right. That has been what's really cool. I, I got to confess, like I'm, I, uh, I I haven't kicked my meme habit yet. Okay. Uh, I need to do that. No, I'm totally joking. <laughs> um, somebody was talking about they were spending so much time reading memes, so that was in my head. Um, I think Lindsay actually said that to Jackson. I do miss the Friday uh, funnies on Cherokee Connect. If oh, is that a thing? 
Oh yeah. I wasn't part yeah, of that. Lots of memes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny, like even though we're online now, we haven't evolved from, uh, like comic strip idea, like Friday funnies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, uh, where was I? Oh, the me. Oh yeah. 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 Focus. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have to read. I think we actually mentioned this on the last podcast. I'm going back to get my my doctorate, and 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 a part of the class, I have to read a book every two. Did we talk about this the last one? Did I, I say this? I don't remember. You might have. That's you, 85 people that finished. You can tell 85% us. 85 percent of the people. 85 percent of the people that finished. So you can focus. Um, so yeah, I have to read a book every two weeks, and then not only do I have to read a book every two weeks, and, and then like report on that. Before I go, because I'll have a week long class, right. you know, uh, in person. And before I go to that, I also have to have two other books read. Wow. And so, in a matter of literally mid January to end of March, I have to have, have read like eight books, um, which normally I don't, I mean, before this, I, I, I have. I don't finish books normally. I normally read 85% of them. Mm-hmm. And um I have a stack of 85% read books. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um so I've actually completed two already and I'm almost done with 3 and 4. Um so my point where I was going with that in my mind was by not being on social media and not watching TV. For me it was more TV really than mm-hmm. social media. I have so much time to read the books. Right. Um and I'm actually learning and growing from them and books that I wouldn't have normally read because I have to now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's been really amazing from that standpoint. And Lindsay is reading, uh, Lindsay would always read on vacation and she would read like a book in a day. It's crazy. And she always enjoyed that, like mm-hmm. being on vacation because she was disconnecting from everything right. and she just got lost in these books. And when we were, you know, getting ready for the fast. She's like, well, I do that on vacation and I enjoy it. Why don't I do that normally? Right. So she got a couple books from pastor Chad's wife, Christy, and she's read all three of them and they're like not small books, mm-hmm. you know, fiction. Um, and, but yeah, it just makes such a huge difference is, is what you were talking about going, developing those grooves. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, investing our own life in things that are actually going to give us a return and mm-hmm. not just take from us. Yep. Yeah, if I ever wrote a book, um, I would tell the uh, publisher, hey, I, I know you want 280 pages, but I only got about 120. And, yeah. and so I would get to that last page and go, hey, I'm done. And the next 140 pages would just be me reiterating what I said in the first 120. That's every book. That's, uh, yeah. Well, that I have to post on, um, you know, when I read these books, we have to, it's an online thing. You have to make comments and post about it. And, um, and I have said now, or this last one that I did like a report on, i made that very comment. Like <laughs> he said this three different times and people, um, people responded back in the class. They're like, yeah, that's how books are written because you got to have it said multiple times. And then I started thinking, well, why does it have to be said multiple times? Because our brains are so messed up mm-hmm. from a wiring standpoint, right? you know, because of media but when I read a book, I don't want you to tell me five times. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I got it. I underlined it the first time. Right. Don't tell me again. That's why I don't, I don't read the introduction. That's always in the first chapter. Yeah. I don't need to. Anyway. You just anyway. read the Cliff's notes. Yes. Cliff. Oh, man. You know, it was actually a dude named Cliff. I, you have said that. And it literally is a guy named Cliff 
and these are his notes. And so it's Cliff's notes. It's wow. not Cliff notes. Mm-hmm. It's Cliff's notes. Are they, is it still yellow and black on the cover? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's been a minute since I, I, and I only did that in college. You know, once I got into seminary, I, I quit that wicked practice. <laughs> I actually read the books. Well, uh, if you're listening to the Cliff's Notes of this podcast, you're going to miss uh, 85% of it. Uh, it. If you're listening to the whole is, thing. Is Cliff giving notes on this? No, no, he's not. <clears throat> but if you want a transcript of today's podcast, just write down everything we say, <clears throat> which usually is very funny. Uh, not as funny today, apparently. Um, so here we It go. was very funny the first time you did it. But it, it, it hasn't those, been funny since But then. it may be funny to the people listening. They may, be, they may be waiting for it. Might need to do a poll. No polls. Do a poll. Okay. See what they say. All right. Um, but nine out of ten people, because I did a poll, nine out of ten people want to know more about this first part of John chapter nine. So hmm. nice segue into that. Hmm. Uh, you said a couple of things, and I don't know if you said it at all of the gatherings, and that's why you really need to go to all the gatherings. If you're only <laughs> Folks, if you're only going to church one time, yeah, uh, just not getting enough. Um, but you talked about the blind beggar. So this is the blind beggar that Jesus heals from blindness mm-hmm. by digging up some uh, dirt and spitting in his hand and making a little mud, and he puts it on the blind beggar's eyes. Yeah. And then you talked about two aspects of that, the blind beggar's reaction to the mud, yeah, and then uh, the actual word anointing in the passage. So can you unpack that a little more? Yeah, it's such a fascinating story. Um, and, and I think anytime, uh, you know, we, we know stories in the Bible, we know that they happened, mm-hmm. you know, that Jesus healed a blind man. I get it. You know, Jesus can heal people. We understand, you know, but when you stop and actually look at what happened in the story, and then start asking yourself questions. That was me gulping water. I'm sorry. Was it? Yeah. <clears throat> um, when you start asking yourself questions about the story, okay, why did he do it like that? You know, why did the disciples have the mentality that they had that this guy, blindness is a result of sin? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, um, which again is our whole reap process, you know, that we talked about during abide, you read it and then you examine it, you start examining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to try to pull out, you know, um, and sometimes in the Bible stories that happen, you know, particularly in the old Testament, there's stories that happen that shouldn't be repeated, you know, but particularly in the new Testament where Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises made in the old Testament, I do think we can look at that. <clears throat> it, the, theologically speaking, it's the difference between what's called prescriptive and descriptive. Um, so descriptive is just describing what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of things in the Bible, just describing it. Um, and then prescriptive, you start looking at that. It's like, oh, the Bible is prescribing this. Like I would prescribe you medicine. Hey, do this again. Right. So not every story, and even this one, there's definitely a descriptive aspect to, to it where John's just describing what happened. Right. John was there, he saw it, mm-hmm. he wrote it down. Sure. <clears throat> but when you start digging in and you're asking yourself the question, why did Jesus do this? Then I do think there are applications that can be made as to, okay, this is really weird. Why mm-hmm. did Jesus 
make mud from his saliva and put it on a blind guy's eyes. Like, what was the point of that? Um, and then told him to get up and walk to a destination he couldn't see. Sure. Um, that was downhill and dangerous. Yeah. You know, I mean, and John doesn't tell us because we don't know. You know, John actually walk, walk, watched this guy walk. But just, I mean, again, take a moment and and stop and think about that. I mean, he had to go from a higher elevation to a lower elevation, which we have been there. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably at least a 500-foot drop in that distance. Oh, oh, at least. I mean, it's pretty steep. Um, it would be steep enough to where we would have a sign in our, like, steep grade, yes. you know, uh, going down a hill. And, and not a straight path. Not a straight path either. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's very windy. And... Cause that's how you go downhill, you know, to, um, so if, if you stop and think about that and you ask yourself, why did Jesus do that? You know, why did Jesus put mud on his eyes, have him walk to a place he couldn't see that invariably was hard for him? How long did that take him? So one of the things I wanted to describe in the message and I tried, um, is look, let's look at this from the blind guy's perspective which is another way to preach a story. Um, I, I can't remember the name, but let's just call it perspective preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done this before where you preach one story, but you preach it from different perspectives. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I can preach that John nine from mm-hmm. John's perspective, what John was watching. Sure. I can preach it from Jesus's perspective, why he did what he did. I can preach it from the blind guy's perspective. You know, this week we'll get into the Pharisees' perspective as to what happened, which another way is how you can examine things. And so in last week's message, I was trying to kind of do all of that in one, like take different perspectives, but really focus on the blind guy's perspective. Uh, Again, you know, if I'm John observing this, which is the angle with which, like, we have John's perspective. Mm -hmm. We're reading what John saw. Right. But it's super helpful to put ourselves in the blind person's perspective mm. um, and say, okay, I'm sitting there outside the temple. Uh, you know, people are coming and going. Uh, I hear this guy start talking um, and he's responding to um, his disciples asking him a question. I'm sure the, I'm sure the blind guys, the blind guy heard the disciples say, who sinned? So naturally, the blind guy's like, these jokers, like, they think I've sinned, right. like, I did something to deserve this, or mm-hmm. my parents sinned, like, so he, I didn't even get into this in the message, because I'm actually currently thinking, like, I'm thinking about it right now as we're talking. He probably heard all that. Mm. Uh, he heard them talking about him, which Christians are great at doing, talking wow. about people. What? Talk about an application. Yeah. Yeah. He, I'm sure he heard that. Yep. Um. And then he heard Jesus say, no one sinned. This man is born this way so that the works of God might be, you know, uh, done in him. And then like went from being like, you guys are horrible people to what? What? You know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, and I was joking about it in the messages and I made like the noise. I won't repeat it on the podcast made the noise of like, if you're trying to get spit up, you know, and of course I exaggerated it and people, you know, that was hilarious. Um, you know, making a noise (laughs) to get snot up. 
But then he hears that, you know, the blind guy, again, he can't see any of this. He cannot physically see this happening. He just hears it. Right. And then he hears a guy rustling around. And then the next thing he knows, a hand is on his eyes, putting mud on him. He couldn't see that hand coming. Right. And you and I were talking about it after Thursday or... Um, between, between gatherings on Sunday. Was it on Sunday? Yeah. Um, and I made the comment, of which I hadn't said in a message, like, what if one of the reasons why we don't see miracles is because we can see God's hand coming and we, we actually pull away. Wow. Um, sit, sit in that for a moment. Cause we, we do, you know, in the Western culture say mm-hmm. we, we don't see the miracles. Mm-hmm. What if that's the reason? Yeah. I think there's multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely one is a reason of theologically speaking, you will see miracles more in places where the gospel has to be validated. Mm-hmm. And, and you do that, you, Jesus did this when he healed another guy, when he said, which is harder to forgive sins or say, get up and walk. So spiritual, so physical miracles are always to prove that Jesus has spiritual power. Mm. Um, because we can't see the spirit. Like when Jesus said to the crippled man, your sins are forgiven. We can't see that. That happened in the supernatural um, Jesus could see it. The man could feel that, sense that. So physical miracles are always, and this is where we have to be really careful. Of course, we're kind of off subject a little bit, but this is good. We have to be careful of isolating physical miracles from that. So one of the reasons why we see physical miracles more in kind of frontier mission places mm-hmm. is because the gospel is going into an area with a group of people that have never seen that mm-hmm. power. So you have to go in with physical, supernatural power that overcomes physical things. So that's part of it. Then two, yes, to what you just said, I do think that um, a reason why we don't experience, and by again, when I say miracles, I'm not just talking healings mm-hmm. physically. But I think because we see God doing something that to us would be ridiculous. Mm. Like if this blind man could see that Jesus was put, about to put mud, I guarantee you if Jesus would have put mud on the eyes of one of his disciples, they would have tried to stop him. Right. They would have been like, what are you doing? You just spit in your hand. You just spit on the ground and now you're going <laughs> to rub that on yeah. my face. Are you right. serious? Yeah. Um, so again, I think there's an application there. Right. You know, like sometimes God has to blind us mm-hmm. so that we can see. Mm. You know, God has to bring crisis in our lives. God has to work supernaturally in ways, sovereignly in ways that don't make sense to us um, because he's after change transformation. And so he's got to, he's got to blind um, the vision that we thought uh, the future that we thought. Mm -hmm. So he will make us blind to that so that then he can bring the future that he wants. Mm. So again, thinking about that from an application standpoint, um, that was interesting. Like the blind guy, once the mud went on his eyes, um, and then Jesus says, get up and go wash it off. You know, if I'm the blind guy, I'm thinking I wouldn't have to wash it off if you didn't just put it on there. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, whatever. And then Jesus says, go wash it off and you'll be healed. So anyway, the application to that first point 
was uh, faith is believing while blind. You know, faith is believing God Mm -hmm. and taking him at his word and responding to it when I can't see. Wow. When I can't understand why he would have me do such a ridiculous thing. Why would you have me do this? Um, This doesn't make any human sense. And it made no human sense. And so that was one of the points I was trying to draw out in the message is that, yes, we can read this from the perspective of John and saying Jesus has the power to heal. That is a truth. Um, But that's not the only application that can be made from that truth. Mm -hmm. There's an applications or there's many applications, which I said this on Thursday. I didn't say it on Sunday, so I'll say it again for those who didn't hear it, but hermeneutics, which hermeneutics is the principle of interpreting the Bible. One of the very first 101 principles of hermeneutics is there's one interpretation and there's many applications. Mm -hmm. So that story, what I'm saying is I'm not talking about different interpretations. There's one, there's only one. And the one interpretation of that is the purpose of which John wrote his whole gospel to that believe that Jesus is the Christ and in believing have life in his name. So that's the interpretive principle that we read all of John with. Mm, excellent. Um, because that's the point of which John, John tells us and, and every author in the, in the Bible doesn't do that, but John does. He yes. tells us this is why I wrote it. Mm-hmm. So then I take that principle of John 20, apply it to the whole text and then say, okay, then ask myself the question, what does this teach me about believing in Jesus? Or how does this help me understand how I believe in Jesus? Man, if you're wondering how, how how to read the Bible, I mean, that's it right there. Yeah, that and that is the stuff that you know we get taught in seminary. The, mm-hmm. the things that we learn, you know, when a when a teacher, which is why I always tell people, if you want to preach the Bible, you need to be trained some way. Which we'll talk way more about this in the future. What we're trying to do to actually help people do that because yes. we got a lot of plans and dreams and those kinds of things to actually help people in this type of media format Mm -hmm. to learn the biblical rules of interpretation, apologetics, all kinds of stuff, Mm -hmm. discipleship stuff. So yes, that's the point of this text is there is one interpretation, but there's many applications and the application is, well, faith requires me to believe while I'm still blind. Mm. Um, The point is believing, but we in our Western minds, we are such rational enlightened people, which I'm not saying that negatively, it just is contextual, that we reverse that. Well, I won't believe unless I see it. Um, I have to observe it. That's scientific method. You know, I have to see it. I have to observe it. Then I'll come to it. When I've tested it, I'll come to the conclusion. So a lot of people approach God like that and faith and believing like that. So that was the first point I was trying to make is, no, that's not how it works. This guy exhibited faith, um, and we'll you know we'll get into it in the last part of the chapter where he actually finds out who Jesus really is. Right. But I think it would be a, a pointless, not pointless, but it a thoughtful exercise is to say, well, was he saved then, or was he saved at the end of the chapter? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the point is, let's just say he was like fully saved at the end, but that seed was there in the beginning. Oh yes, absolutely. Because he exercised faith by actually believing Jesus while he was blind. 
Um, and so that was a point that we want, I want people to understand is you're going, you're going to be blind to so many things. Mm-hmm. We're going to be blind. Let's just take any commandment of God. Hey, God wants us to tithe. God wants me to remain pure in my marriage before we get that a lot in pastoral mm-hmm. care and pastoral counseling. Why do I have to, why can't I live together with my spouse? Why can't I do all these things? Well, cause the Bible is clear. We are to flee from that. Right. Well, we have to take God at his word and, and exercise faith in believing that he is actually saying that because he's smarter than us. And he knows something that we don't know. There's some blessing, there's some healing that's going to come as a result of me actually believing him, even though I'm blind to why that is. Mm-hmm. So again, this has many applications oh, in our life. Um, so that was the first point. And then the second point to what you mentioned earlier, which I don't know if I said this in all the gatherings either, was about the anointing itself. Mm-hmm. You know, depending upon your background in church world, you you either heard a lot about anointing or you haven't heard a lot about anointing. Sure. You know, anointing typically in more charismatic Pentecostal circles. Um, and Jesus himself was anointed, you know, by Mary, um, you know, with her tears and, you know, the perfume and that whole story. But the idea of anointing means I, I, um, a lot of, most times it's oil, you know, I'm putting this on you and by doing that, I'm, I'm setting, I'm, I'm signifying how you're set apart for something. And I am signifying that God has, and the Holy Spirit obviously is a part of that. And I don't have time to get it all into anointing, but I'm just making a point that when he did that, mm-hmm. Jesus was signified, you're set apart and you're about to see the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, he's about to come on you. Um, So it's signifying. Well, the interesting thing was he wasn't anointed with oil. He was anointed with mud. Yes, he was. So one of the applications I made is what if, and I may have only done this in 1115 in Canton. What if another reason why we miss seeing God work is because we don't want him to anoint us with with mud. Mm. We don't want him to anoint us with afflictions Mm -hmm. or suffering or things that we then got to go. And I'm not talking about mud from a sinful perspective, like dirt, like we're dirty and now we got to go wash it off. I'm not talking morally because obviously God would never do that. Um, But what I am saying is when God anoints a person, we always think about anointing as blessing he blesses me. He's given me this job, all these resources, and that's just simply not the case. I'm not saying he doesn't do those things, but I'm saying he doesn't just do those things. Sometimes he anoints you with affliction mm. and mud and junk and suffering. Uh, again, think about David. David was anointed, and then he had to run for his life for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 years. And he had the anointing of God on him. Don't you think during that time, Joseph, another story. Yeah, 13 years. Yes. Don't you think that during those times they were like, hey, hey, God, you can take this anointing back. Right. I don't want this. Yeah. And don't you think that blind man was walking down the road that he can't see with mud on his eyes looking ridiculous? Is like, thanks for this anointing. Right. Thanks for this blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he exercised faith and received that anointing, then he did receive that healing. Right. So yeah, from an anointing perspective, 
Um, again, I don't even have time to get that in the message, but again, Job and Jesus is the prime example. Jesus was anointed. Um, I mean, let's look at just when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized. He had the affirmation of his father. And then instantly Matthew four tells us he was sent by the spirit to be tempted during that 40 days when Jesus is hungry. We would look at that and, and we just think, oh yeah, Jesus breathes right through that. No, he's still human. Yeah. He's still hungry. He's still got tired. He still got weak. And, and don't you know, in his flesh, his flesh was like some anointing you just got there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then not even his, we tend to think that Jesus's flesh was weak, but then his godness overrode it. I don't think that's what happened. Jesus's flesh was weak, but then his own spirit, like his own, I don't think he used, you know, supernatural power in a way that we don't have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still fully God. Yes. Which is a whole nother thing. You know, I'm kind of jumping off into here, but he was still living by the power of the spirit. Like we do. He just didn't give in to that flesh. But ironically, then the devil comes to him and he's like, well, if you're God, jump off. If you're God, right. if you're, what is he? He's calling out. Oh, I thought God anointed you. I heard what he just said mm-hmm. 40 days ago. I thought he loved you. And again, how many times do we miss God working in our life? Because once he puts the mud on, we go wash it off in ways he never told us to. Wow. You know, we go. Run that back. Yeah. <laughs> run that back and listen to it. Well, I'm trying to run it back in my own mind because yeah, it hits me too. You know, God puts something. Let's just say God puts affliction on you. He puts suffering on you. Well, we work so hard to try to get the suffering off mm. as opposed to say, why did you anoint me with this? Right. Um, and you told me to walk with this for a distance. So I'm going to walk this. I'm going to walk this distance like for however long you tell me to do it until I do what you say and you take it off. Um, well, that, I, that would bring about a different healing in our lives. And that's why, you know, even in one context of grief, mm-hmm. we, we always counsel, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, is to sit in whatever pain you're in, mm-hmm. sit in whatever season or whatever uh, uh, stage you're in. Mm-hmm. If you're angry, it's okay. Stay in that stage and let, let God do his work there. Yeah, don't move too quickly through yeah. that season of your life. Again, what we think about COVID or whatever it is that we have gone through, whether it's corporately we've gone through that, whether it is privately, personally, you know, we go through these seasons and the worst thing that we can do is go through them and then not have them change us, which we've talked about just like this 21 days. You know, there's a lot of people in our church that didn't participate because they didn't want the anointing Mm. of fasting. Wow. Well, guess what they didn't get afterwards? They didn't get the peace. Right. They didn't get the benefit Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to take on that anointing. So we always think taking on anointing is promotion is blessing is title is move up. But Jesus, um, in fact, I was reading this in one of my books. I read it this morning. We've heard a lot about the rise and fall of leaders. In fact, there's a very popular podcast with that title, the rise and fall of leaders, but Jesus did the opposite because he didn't rise and then fall. He fell and then rose. Mm. Reach that. So if you think about Jesus's life, the trajectory of his life, he went from heaven, the highest point, Mm -hmm. 
to being buried in the ground, the lowest point. So his life was a trajectory of a downwardness. And Philippians 2, Paul says this. So he, the reason why he didn't rise and then fall was because he fell and then rose. Wow. He, cho- he chose the falling. He chose it, which is, I've said this before, the reason why Jesus didn't struggle with sin is because he humbled himself before sin had to. So sin has a humbling effect on us. Mm-hmm. But the reason why Jesus never struggled with sin because he chose humility before sin had to do that. Mm. Um, and again, you think about the blind guy in this story, how humiliating was that? Right. I mean, he, he was already in a very lower class position. Yes. He was a beggar mm-hmm. who was blind, and everybody thinks he's blind because of sin. Right. And then Jesus puts mud on it. Like Jesus makes the situation worse. And then it's like, walk. Um, so that guy received an anointing. And I just thought about this. That may, And then he had to travel downward. Mm. I'm seeing all these connections even as I talk. He had to travel downward. Wow. And then we're going to see this week, he got healed, and then he travels back up to the temple. <laughs> so he, he didn't rise and then fall. He fell and then rose. Wow. Um, and so many of us miss that. And then the last point I made is because we won't own our blind beggar status, mm-hmm. our blind beggar who believed Jesus. Um, but after he got healed, that's what he was doing. You know, like, I don't know if this is really him. He's like, no, it's me. It's me. And I was jumping around on stage. Did you hurt yourself? I didn't. No, okay. ironically, okay, that's good. good. Um, you weren't sore the next day. No, okay. no, I wasn't. Right. Um, I went back to Krav again finally yesterday, so I'm sore from that. Um, but that was the main point that I'm trying to get. I was trying to get people to understand is because it only glorifies God to show how needy we were and are when we come to Him. God does not want us to clean up our stuff and then come to Him. That's right. He wants us to come to Him. As blind beggars. And then we, faith is believing while blind. We believe him. We receive sight. Then we get to brag on the one who gave it to us. Um, so that was what I was trying to own your blind beggar who believed Jesus status. Um, and you won't ever do that if you see yourself as this really elevated person who won't humble yourself. Um, and that's why I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people, oh, I won't say Christians because if they haven't believed, they're not Christians, but a lot of people don't, they resist coming to Jesus because they simply won't take that downward path. Wow. Um, that path of humility mm-hmm. of, and then recognizing their blindness, receive that anointing. Um, and then in that believe God and then. Now, it's here, let me say it like this. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm talking because I have to talk. As I talk in order to think, I think so many of us would rather Jesus heal us physically than heal us spiritually. Hmm. Like Jesus, as long as you make me rich and famous, I don't really care if you change my heart. Right. Um. To where that blind guy, he was so desperate. And so I think a lot of us just aren't desperate enough because we don't realize our desperation. That's so good. 
That um, is so good. Yeah, and that's why when you come when you come to Jesus, you have officially come to the end of yourself. So yeah. yes, indeed, yes, indeed. If you if you were one of the eighty five percent of those who stick through the entire podcast, you you got the gold today. Uh, if you gave up during our Olympics chatter, uh, <laughs> you, you, you you missed it. Um, yeah, that is uh, that is incredible, uh, and and that's just one story. And John devotes forty one verses to this one story. And yeah, we'll dig into it more this week. There's so and yeah. the next week, there's, and the next there's week. so much yeah. in that. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, you did mention, and before we wrap this up, real quick, you did mention that you preached at the Pool of Siloam. Yes. So the last time we went to Israel, mm-hmm. um, 92 of us were sitting on the steps of the Pool of Siloam looking over the Kidron Valley. Mm-hmm. And were you aware, because I, I mentioned this to you on Sunday between gatherings, were you aware of the gunfire and the Muslim call to prayer yes. while you were preaching? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, because I never asked you that question. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard not to be. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> here we are at the outskirts of Jerusalem yeah. overlooking the Kidron Valley, and there's always unrest there. Always. And there was machine gun fire, mm-hmm. uh, not at us. No, distant. Um, and then right in the middle of your sermon, the Muslim called a prayer on loudspeakers all through Jerusalem. Yeah. And you know, I, I just felt, hey, the, the enemy is attacking at this moment, not literally, but the enemy is you know, attacking what is happening here because there were others who were kind of eavesdropping in on your sermon about Jesus. Hmm. And... Uh, that was just a powerful moment, and you pressed through that just like when you preached on the Sea of Galilee in a literal windstorm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, when I preach when babies are crying. I pressed through it. Because <laughs> that's what the Muslim call to prayer felt like. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. I was like, oh, I'm used to this, you know. <laughs> well, if if you're listening, and, you know, we're obviously joking about that, but we have, uh, we have spent um, millions so that more than half of our buildings— are, yeah. are dedicated to your kids. Absolutely. And so when you do come here, we we want you to check your kids in, not to keep it silent in the auditorium, but so your kids grow. Yeah, it's they're going to get Jesus on their level, yeah. as we say. Yep. Uh, not that it's bad for them to be with you. Obviously, there's some benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, from a, it's the same reason why we, in, in schools, we break kids up by age groups right. because at their learning mm-hmm. level. And so... Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, and we have yeah. amazing team members that will care for your babies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, the kids crying in a gathering uh, is similar to Muslim call of prayer. Um, <laughs> but you were talking about the Sea of Galilee. And, yes, and it was very windy there, blowing my paper. And then I, Lindsay says it was when I prayed, when I said let's pray, then the wind got calm. I can't remember exactly when it was. I just remember everybody was like, whoa. Whoa. It was a whoa moment. Because well, I think it was actually when I was preaching, because I preached about the story of Jesus calming the storm. Mm-hmm. And when I got to that, like it calmed. I, I thought it was in in the moment of the preaching of the calm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was so distracting. You couldn't even hear the, the loud You couldn't speakers. even hear me. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, boom. And no, it got glass. No wind. Yeah. So we can't yeah, promise a- that on the next trip. But we do want to have a next trip. Yeah, yeah. Whoever was, you know, controlling the fan back there did a, <laughs> did a great job. Yeah, I don't have that kind of pull with the Holy Spirit well, to, to be like, hey, I need you to line this up for us. You know, we're going to be out there at 225, just make the wind stop. Yeah. And as always, as we talk about Israel, all I can think of is falafel, um, which I did not give up for 
Well, actually, that's a lot of carbs, so I did give that up mm. Uh, mm. during the fast. I did have a falafel at the end because it is chickpea, mm. you know, so I did have a falafel. It wasn't as good no. as the ones in Israel. All right. Uh, that is the podcast for today. And as always, uh, thank you for listening. And we end with the best advice we've ever heard. Trust God. And take a nap. See you next time. See you next time.